And welcome to Tuesday on the Pure Opelka Podcast. Yeah, it's Valentine's Day, so if you are celebrating Valentine's Day, good. That's a good thing. Always a good idea to celebrate love. And if you don't know the history of Valentine's Day, maybe you should look it up because St. Valentine was beheaded because he kept marrying people even though he was ordered to stop officiating on weddings. Why was he ordered to stop officiating on weddings? Because back in 270 AD, the men were allowed to avoid joining the war by getting married and saying, I got to stay home with the family. So a lot of people were rushing to get married. And Claudius II, also known as Claudius the Cruel, said, no, you got to cut this out. St. Valentine said, uh, no, not doing that. And they cut his head off, which, uh, you know, that's what happens when your nickname is Claudius the Cruel. A lot going on in our world today. Do we know anything more about the balloons? No, not really. We really don't, despite the fact that there were briefings yesterday, comments from the Secretary of Defense. We don't know boo about the balloons. It's really disturbing. It's really infuriating. John Kirby... Admiral John Kirby, I guess I'm supposed to say, is out there trying to have fun with the idea that there might be aliens engaged with these craft. Uh, Give us a break. You know, just talk to us like adults, please. My understanding is that uh, the top officials of the Pentagon asked explicitly if uh, they were ruling out any kind of extraterrestrial presence said they weren't ruling anything out. And yet at the beginning of today's briefing, albeit with her usual winning smile, uh, Ms. Jean-Pierre seemed to rule out any extraterrestrial activity. I don't think the American people need to worry about aliens with respect to these craft, period. I don't think there's any more that needs to be said there. So we don't need to worry about aliens, but what about the aliens crossing the border? We need to worry about those. Yeah, maybe we do. In case you were wondering what... uh, KGP said, cringe, said this about the aliens. I just wanted to make sure we address this from the White House. I know there have been questions and and concerns about this, but there is no, again, no indication of aliens or extraterrestrial activity with these recent takedowns. Again, there is no indication of aliens or terrestrial activity with these recent takedowns. Wanted to make sure that the American people knew that, all of you knew that, uh, and it was important for us to say that from here because we've been hearing a lot about it. Um, Stop. Just stop. The laughter in the press room tells you that this is not serious. The laughter in the press room is also very irritating because there should be questions not about aliens, but about where's Joe Biden? Where is the president on all of this? What do we know? Ron Johnson was on with Maria Bartiromo yesterday on uh, Fox News and talking with Senator Johnson. Uh, Senator Johnson had some pretty interesting thoughts about uh, the threat posed from China as it relates to not only these hot air balloons, but everything else that China is doing. And I love the clarification Johnson makes here. Because they they see, as well as sense, weakness in America right now. Uh, I mean, the clip you just played of President Biden, he's detached from reality. He's delusional. Uh, he, he denies that our southern border is open. He says that it's, uh, 
you know, that, that we have control over it. Uh, we don't. And, and the fact that he doesn't acknowledge the fact that uh, what is happening here is alarming and puts our nation in peril uh, is itself alarming. Um, you know, we don't exactly have the A team in place right now, which is also more than unfortunate. You know, one thing I've been warning, and again, I don't want to alarm your audience here, but uh, it, does, it certainly doesn't seem like these uh, uh, unmanned craft, you know, whatever, whatever these objects are. I mean, we saw the one balloon. I don't know what these last two objects are. Uh, they're not easy to detect. And I've been warning for years about the risk of a high-altitude nuclear blast that could create an electromagnetic pulse that could wipe out our electronics. Uh, even a geomagnetic disturbance could do the same thing, and we haven't prepared for it. We, we spent a trillion dollars on an infrastructure plan, and we don't buy the large power transformers that we could you know, put in place if the other ones are knocked out. These things are basically irreplaceable in the short term. So we, we are not prepared for this, and we've got to, you know, to say the B team is probably even accurate. Uh, we, we do not have the A team on the field right now, and it should alarm Americans. Yeah, I, I think it is starting to alarm Americans. Where is Joe Biden now? Between the recording of the podcast uh, and whatever happens, Biden may show up. But he's also rumored to be heading over to Poland. To Poland, which is next door to Ukraine, where, by the way, we're sending a whole bunch of money. In case you haven't been paying attention, we are sending a whole boatload of money. Hundreds of boatloads of money. Uh, I posted something yesterday from Congressman Thomas Massey about a million-dollar stack of $1 bills. And if you put a 1,000 of those pallets stacked high with $1 bills on a boat and then followed it up with 100 more, it would show you just how much money we've sent to Ukraine already, $100 billion. But... We're not paying attention to that. But Joe, Joe's not paying attention to what's going on at home. Why? Why is all this focus on the balloons? Is it a distraction? Well, yesterday, the Transportation Secretary, Mayor Pete, who you might say should be really paying attention to all the problems in the transportation industry. We have a list of failures in the airline industry, a list of near misses and or Minor collisions, thank God, only minor collisions in uh, in airports around the country. You had a plane that we just heard about from December that took off from Maui, uh, a major airline jetliner full of people that dived down to within 800 feet of the ocean before managing to pull itself out of that dive. We didn't hear about it till yesterday. It happened in December. Why not? Why not? We still have a supply chain crisis. There's still a problem. And then there are the train derailments. You had one in, outside of Houston yesterday. Actually, I was almost said in Houston. Trains filled with chemicals. And 10 days ago, we had the derailment in Ohio, East Palestine, Ohio, where there's an evacuation. And people are now saying, when we went home, we had trouble breathing. We had itchy skin. We saw dead fish, dead animals. What in the hell is going on? Why is this not on par with any other major chemical disaster? The videos are frightening. But Mayor Pete, he's not talking about that. He's talking about, uh, well, he's making jokes about balloons. It's had its challenges. Right. 
Uh, I mean, if you look at what the American transportation systems have faced in the last two or three years, partly because of the pandemic, we've faced issues from container shipping to airline cancellations. Mm -hmm. Now we got balloons. That's right. Um, <laughs> Why is that even funny? China spying on the country is funny. These people truly are a cacistocracy, a government by the worst possible individuals. Mayor Pete out there telling people that uh, the, the biggest thing that he's got to deal with right now, the most important thing he deals with is, of course, going to be getting equity and diversity on construction sites. Yeah, that's what he talks about. Too many white people on construction sites. This administration is derelict in its duty at every corner. Absolutely derelict in his duty. But will we hear an uproar from the media? That's what it's going to take. The president isn't listening to you and me. We need the mainstream media to get on board. And maybe if one of them has a farm in East Ohio or Western Pennsylvania that's suddenly hit with a toxic cloud of chemicals from these train derailments, maybe one of them will then stand up and say enough. I just don't know. Uh, we got the news yesterday that Nikki Haley announced she's running for uh, the GOP nomination in 2024. She promised previously not to, not to challenge Donald Trump, but that looks like that's a, uh, a broken promise. There's also a lot of rumbling about Tim Scott, Senator Tim Scott, who I think is just a terrific terrific idea for the GOP to elevate in some way, shape, or form. Is he presidential? Maybe. Is he vice presidential? Maybe. Last week, Tim Scott surprised many in the Senate when he asked for a prayer for John Fetterman, the, uh, the senator from Pennsylvania, the guy who had the stroke before the primary and didn't tell anybody. John Fetterman, the guy who's had many, many problems, and now there's uh, worry that he may be permanently damaged. John Fetterman, uh, who uh, was in the hospital after being lightheaded last week, and Tim Scott stood up and said, let's say a prayer for him. Good. Tim Scott's showing an ability to lead and an ability to reach across the aisle. Tim Scott has not announced he may. And then everybody anticipates that Ron DeSantis will announce as well. I believe, and I've said this in other places, I believe there are probably a dozen candidates who will ultimately announce that they're running on the uh, GOP side of things, and at least five on the Democrat side of the aisle. That's right, I said five. I think there will be challenges to Biden if he even runs. So we shall see. Um, other stories out there today, of course, there's a horrible shooting overnight in Michigan, and uh, there's going to be another push as it relates to confiscation of guns. The killer has taken his own life. I'm not going to say his name and give him any, any publicity at all, but just watch for the left to come out. Here's the problem. Joe Biden hasn't spoken to the nation about the balloons, four of which now have been shot down. Four. Does he break his silence and come out and speak to the country on this? Probably. You know he's getting a lot of heat 
a lot of push from his, uh, his pals to come out. But then he would have to answer questions. And he does not want to answer questions right now about the balloons. Here's the other thing I was thinking about today. What was it, 10 or 15 years ago, one of our drones crashed in Iran. They found it, and it was um, up on social media and on the Internet in about a day. It's been almost 10 days, 11 days, since we shot down the drone over South, the balloon over South Carolina. I haven't seen a picture. We've also taken down three other suspected spy craft, and we haven't seen a photo at all. We're told they can't get to it. Are you kidding me? The Iranians can get to the desert and find the drone and post it. We can't get to the bottom of a 45-foot deep ocean and get all of the parts from the China payload. Something doesn't add up here. That's just me. The other story that I think is going to get a lot of attention is the Hunter Biden laptop story, which we know was undermined by the press and the deep state. James Clapper, who uh, former Obama director of national intelligence, is saying Politico distorted the letter that he and 50 other former intelligence officials signed baselessly connecting Russian involvement and the Hunter Biden laptop, which would then diminish it as disinformation, as uh, fake news. And now we know differently. It was, it was the deep state and not the Russian deep state. And in 2020, Clapper said this when the uh, story first came out. Obama. So, Director, a bunch of questions from this. Let me just start with this. How much does the source matter, right? So you hear the story of this laptop. We don't know a lot. We do know that the, the way that this information is getting out is through Steve Bannon and Rudy Giuliani. How much uh, do the, the, does the source matter here? Before he answers, you notice what, what uh, CNN is doing here. You notice the plan is to discredit the information by associating it with Steve Bannon and Rudy Giuliani, who CNN considered to be conspiracy theorists. Yeah, that was the plan. Aaron Burnett leading that charge. Let's hear what Clapper had to say back in 2020. Well, source matters a lot, and, uh, and the timing matters a lot, I think. And to me, this is uh, just classic uh, textbook uh, Soviet-Russian uh, tradecraft at work. So is it not? Soviet disinformation? Russian disinformation? He just called it Soviet-Russian tradecraft at work. And now he's saying, oh, I was, I was mischaracterized. Yeah. We kept the receipts, dude. We have all of that. By the way, Americans have been urged to get out of Russia now, ASAP. Why? Why now? It's been almost a year since Russia invaded Ukraine. Why now, I wonder? Uh, Biden also suddenly, and without any warning yesterday, released another 26 million barrels of your strategic petroleum reserve. Why? Why, if inflation is under control, if everything's working, Joey, why now? Why, why was that allowed to happen? 
I, I just don't understand why we are throwing away all of our strategic petroleum reserves. Not throwing away, obviously. They are going to, uh, some of them probably going to end up in China again. We shall see. Uh, inflation, the inflation numbers came out at 8.30 this morning. Increased more than expected. Inflation grew at an annual rate of 6.4%, slightly higher than what was anticipated. And the, the stock market early is having trouble with that. The consumer price index rose a half a percentage point for the month. So that means an annual gain of 6.4%. And you know where it is. Gasoline, eggs, butter, hot dogs. Yeah, they put hot dogs in there this month. I wonder why they chose hot dogs. So the economy is not working no matter what Joe Biden is going to continue to tell you. It's not working. And that means that the, uh, the Federal Reserve is going to have to raise rates again to tamp down inflation. Which means if you want to buy a home, you want to buy a car, you want to take out a loan on anything. It's going to cost you more. Joe Biden's economy is not working. And there's no way to argue to the contrary of that. You can't say that it's working when this is happening. I just got back from the, uh, the grocery store yesterday. It's not working. Just going to tell you right there, it's not working. Uh, we will have Jim Stovall, my buddy from uh, the uh, Winner's Wisdom column in here as well. We're going to talk to Jim about some some very important stuff. I noticed the Super Bowl still has stories in the news. Super Bowl this past weekend where our friends in Philadelphia were disappointed because they lost to the Chiefs. They played 59 minutes and they were tied at the end of 59 minutes and then Kansas City came out and... Kick that field goal in the last seconds. You played 59 out of 60. You got to play all 60. Sorry, Philly. But uh, people are screaming and hollering because Terry Bradshaw was apparently fat shaming the Chiefs coach, Andy Reid. I, I don't know if you watched the end of it or if you went to bed Sunday night, but uh, Terry Bradshaw, who is no spring chicken. Either he's, I think he's a little older than Andy Reid, but Terry Bradshaw was handling the uh, post-game trophy presentation from the platform, and uh, he called Andy Reid over, and uh, this is what people are calling fat shaming. Big guy, let me get the big guy in here. Come on, waddle over here. (laughs) Come on, waddle over here. He says to Andy Reid. And uh, Terry's belly is hanging out there itself. He's, he's, like I said, he's not a small guy. Uh, he's also fighting cancer. So I'm going to give him a break. I don't think this is fat shaming. I think this is how guys talk to each other. Come on, waddle over here, big guy. And then at the very end of it, they're saying what uh, Terry Bradshaw said when he closed off the interview is also fat shaming. When he told uh, Andy Reid uh, this. Into the sunset. That's not going to happen, is it? No. no. I'm going to enjoy this one right here. I'm going to okay. tell you, this is unbelievable. Uh, Phil- Philadelphia, you did a great job. It was a great game. But how about those cheese? 
That's what we're talking about. Have a cheeseburger on us and enjoy their Hawaiian shirts. I will. I will. That's Congratulations, why Congratulations, Thank Have a cheeseburger on us. Hey, these are guys talking. Can we stop with the the throwing shade at each other? Uh, congrats to everybody who was a part of the Super Bowl. It was the third most watched program in television history now, based on actual facts. And uh, the halftime show, which I thought was just horrible, from Rihanna. And she's got great music, but I, I thought this thing stunk. I, it was badly produced for me. Uh, just not a fan. But uh, that was seen by more people than the game. So there you go. Who knew? Who knew indeed? Uh, there's also a, a story that made me laugh today. And um, Jerry Seinfeld kind of predicted this. About three or four, maybe five years ago, when the woke crowd was starting to stand up at colleges and yell at comedians, Jerry Seinfeld said, I'm not doing colleges anymore. This is going to kill comedy. I think it was Seinfeld. I'll try and find that to verify. And I believe it was right. The University of Connecticut, during the fall semester, had a comedian perform. And uh, that performance included a joke about someone's gender identity. And it was reported to the school's bias response team. You have a bias response team? Oh, University of Connecticut, Illinois State University, Bowling Green State, University of Illinois, Chicago, Miami University in Ohio. They've all got these, these problems. Comedians are supposed to offend you. Don Rickles would not be a comic today, would not be allowed to perform today. And we would have missed out on so many laughs. I just can't believe it. Oh, we've reported to the, the uh, yes, we called the school's bias response team. And they were deployed, I'm sure, in an electric scooter brigade to go to the scene of the aggrieved. It's madness, people, and it's also stupid, and the rest of the world is laughing at us. All right, I'm taking a short break. When we get back, Jim Stovall's here with this week's Winner's Wisdom. Happy Valentine's Day on the Pure Opelka Podcast. I'm very happy to be speaking with Jim Stovall once again. I know it happens every week, but each week I consider it a gift. Each week I consider it a bonus to my world when we spend time with the author, entrepreneur, philanthropist, inventor, who is Jim Stovall. If you don't know him, you need to go to jimstovall.com. We talk about Jim's Winner's Wisdom column every single week and uh this week jim i'm really excited uh the uh the headline of this week's column retire or refire caught my attention not just because i'm trying to figure out which direction i'm going in this topic but also with the fact that there are ten thousand people out there in this country every day who turned 65 which used to be a retirement age so let's get into this. Welcome, my friend. Well, thank you so much. I I will be one of those people this summer. I will turn 65 in August. And a friend of mine recommended a book by a columnist from the uh, L.A. Times 
named Steve Lopez, and he wrote an amazing book called Independence Day, and he was having a Fourth of July party, and he was telling his literary agent he was considering retiring, but he was weighing all the options, and then his, uh, his agent said, it sounds like a great book, so he took a whole year to research, uh, and the subtitle is uh, Those Who Have Retired Successfully and Those Who Never Will. And I think that's kind of where it goes, because as you mentioned, 65 used to be a the retirement age. And, you know, when back when Social Security was put into place, and it was only anticipated to be a supplement to your retirement, but um, people lived on average a few months beyond uh, the retirement age. Now they live decades beyond. In fact, the fastest growing demographic in America are people over 100. And um, so, you know, you have to look at that. And as in most things, there's uh, two extremes and a million in-betweens. And, you know, one group of people is this FIRE, F-I-R-E, Financial Independent Retire Early Group. And it's a huge group contingency of people who are committed to making extreme sacrifices as very young people so they can retire in their 50s or 40s or or even their 30s. And it's a fascinating group. And then there's the group of people that are just never going to retire. And, uh, uh, you know, I think of people like Norman Lear, who's 100 years old, still working on a pilot, and three of my great mentors, uh, Paul Harvey, Art Linkletter, and Coach John Wooden, all did some of their best work in their 90s. And, uh, I spent last evening having my weekly dinner with my father, and he's 92 and still teaches a class and does his walking and his reading, and he's, uh, you know, very, very active. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I, I kind of think that's the way to go. I'm very privileged to count uh, Steve Forbes among my close friends, and I was kind of kidding him partially one time, and I said, look, I, you know, why do you do this like you do? I mean, and I don't mean he's still working. I mean, he, the three-piece suit at the desk, 7.30 every morning. I, 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 I kid him. I think Mr. Forbes gets out of the shower in a three-piece suit. He, he just, uh, <laughs> that's his life. And, um, and he said, well, Jim, you have to do something. And I'll never forget, he said, doing nothing is the hardest work you'll ever do. You know, and it's an interesting distraction. We all need some time to, you know, uh, uh, recreate and uh, contemplate and all of those sorts of things. But man, I just, you know, I got, I believe you got to have something to do. So when I looked at these fire people retiring early and then the people that never retire, I think the best is the blend uh, where financially you're able to retire, but you love doing something, whether it's your vocation, your avocation, service project whatever, you enjoy doing it enough to where, you know, I, uh, whenever my last day is, and uh, I hope it's 40, 50 years from now, I am still doing what I do. And I think that's just a wonderful way to live. I, I agree with you on every single point, and you're, you're nailing it here, Jim. And, and part of the, um, the story of retiring successfully involves what's next. And if you don't know what's next, then you really shouldn't retire. The Steve Forbes story, I, I love it because I ran into Steve at something called Freedom Fest about five oh, yeah. years ago. And he was one of the hardest guys to keep up with walking through that event, walking through the convention floors. He had a stride on him like a speed walker in the old Olympic sport. But he also had an energy and a curiosity that I think mm-hmm. is driving him. 
And if everybody finds what it is that is that that curiosity, um, that spark inside of them, it doesn't become work. It becomes life and it becomes life giving. And it's something that maybe in retirement, that is what takes you to the next level. That's what drives your day so that you get up, as, as Jim said, like Steve Forbes, you jump out of the shower in a suit and tie and you head off to whatever your mission is. And uh, I, I just think we have for too long envisioned retirement in a Barca lounger with a TV remote in our hands. And we're facing a very different reality going forward. And as you said, a decades longer of lifespan that you have to be ready for. Yeah, and, and, and given the IT advancements and technology and all the things, you can be so productive uh, you know, it's not like we're out doing manual labor anymore and, and we need to retire at age 65. I mean, you, you, can, you can make a difference in, as in most things, you get, a, you get the right perspective, Mike, when you, you realize it ain't about you, it ain't about me. It's about the people we're here to serve. And, uh, you know, after I uh, ring off with you, I will be picked up by one of my colleagues and I'll head to the office. And if I keep my eye on the ball, you know, I'm there first and foremost for the people that enjoy our television network, my movies, my books, my columns, and then for the team that works there to make sure that uh, that their dreams and goals and ambitions come true. And if I take care of those two groups of people, you know, my customers and my coworkers, I I'm always fine. I I'm always fine. And you know, and you know, when you look at retiring, it, somehow it just seems uh, useless, wasteful, and selfish in, in some strange ways. And I'm not saying people. You know, if you have a job you don't terribly enjoy and you got to a retirement age, fine. Go find something you enjoy doing. But, uh, wow, the world needs you, and we need you at your best. Uh, I love that statement. The world needs you and needs you at your best. And if you haven't found what it is the world wants from you, maybe you need to stop and look around because it'll show up. Trust me, it will find you. And that purpose, that, that need, will also fulfill you. I love this week's column, Jim. Retire or refire. And it's, uh, it's got great inspiration as well as great facts. You can find it at jimstovall.com. And it'll show up in your uh, mailbox every week. And it's free. And it's Jim's gift to you to inspire you to get out there. My friend, thank you again. We will talk next week. Be well. 